about guardian angels. Guardian angels. And I want us to stand together and I want us to pray. I'm going to close out this series next week. And next week we're going to talk about angels in everyday life. Angels in our lives today. Um, if God lets me, I want to share my own testimony with you next week. If He gives me the peace to do that, uh, an encounter that He graciously and um, mercifully gave me a lot, 35 years ago with angels. I, I've never shared it with a group. If He lets me, I will. Um, but that's next week. But tonight we're going to talk about something probably most of you in here have experienced at least once. The intervention of a guardian angel. How many of you can say, I know I've experienced it? Let me see. That's almost everybody in here. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you right now. We come with humility to your word. We respect, Lord, your word, and we honor it. And Lord, we turn to your word for ultimate truth. We thank you, Lord, that you have said a lot about angels. Lord, help us to have ears to hear and eyes to see. For I believe, Lord, many of us in the days to come, dangerous days, stressful times, will experience the intervention of an angel. And Lord, I thank you for that. And I pray, give us understanding on this subject. In Jesus' name, will you breathe a prayer, church, and say, Lord, I receive your word. Amen. God bless you. Oh, well, I want you to read with me before you're seated. You know how I always do. All right. I found a quote by Martin Luther, who was the uh, founder of the Methodist, uh, not the Methodist Church, but the Lutheran Church, and of course, he birthed the Reformation. Martin Luther was the voice of the Reformation. And so let's read what he said about angels. An angel is a spiritual creature created by God for the service of Christendom and the church. Now let's read David in Psalms 91. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Satan knows that one because that's the one he quoted to Jesus in the wilderness. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him this is going to be good tonight. Now, I want to um, back up a little bit and just do a little bit of recapping on this thing of angels. The Bible mentions angels over 300 times. So let's just recap a little bit of what we've learned in the last few weeks. The word angel comes from the Greek word angelos. That's how you say it, angelos. And it means messenger. Angels are spiritual beings without bodies of flesh and bone though they apparently have the ability to appear in human form, which they did in Genesis 19 when they approached um, Abraham and Lot. Angels had many functions. Look in the Bible and you find angels praising God. They serve as messengers to the world. Uh, they watch over God's people. We're going to look at that one tonight. And they were sometimes instruments of God's judgment which we saw last week, that day is really coming, where they're going to be instruments of God's judgment. Now, 
the Bible informs us that God created the angels and that at some time in the distant past there was a rebellion in heaven. And many of those angels, in fact, about one-third of them, fell. The Bible says that angels were created by Christ. Think about that. All things that were made were made through Him. Angels created by Christ for His good pleasure. Okay? Uh, They carry out the will of God. That's all they do. The unfallen angels are at the beck and call of God. They do not answer our prayers. They answer His summons on behalf of our prayers. They're wise. They're mighty. They're holy. And Hebrews 12.22 tells us they are innumerable, uncountable. However, angels are not to be worshipped. And we went over that the first time I believe we met on this topic. You don't worship angels. And, and that's why uh, I want to just throw that out here again. If we, you know, there have been times in the Bible where somebody tried to worship an angel. And the angel said, don't do that. Don't do that. And so they're not to be worshipped because they are creatures. They are created. They are not the creator. And folks, i got to tell you something. Just read Romans 1 this week. The judgment of God fell on mankind when man refused to worship the creator and instead worshipped the created. And when he worshipped the created, he began the slippery slide downward into depravity. So we don't worship angels. We worship only the Creator. Amen? Now, if we were to put together an angelic profile, it might go something like this. Their appearance in the Bible is bright, glowing, lightning-like, and majestic. Their characteristics are they have intellect and powers very superior to ours. Their habitat is heaven. That's where they live, heaven. And their specialties are either as messengers or as guardians. Now, Jesus took it a step further and told us about angels, that angels are genderless. They're not male. They're not female. They're genderless. Uh, Jesus said at the resurrection... People will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be what, everybody? Like the angels in heaven who don't marry and they're not given in marriage. They are genderless. They are their own species of created beings. Now, the Bible tells us several things. Oops. Well, that one messed up in the middle, but I think I can still read it. Angels deliver us from danger. They deliver us from danger. You don't see them the vast majority of the time because our eyes were made by God to see physical things. They were not made by God to see spiritual things. But we do have an eye of faith. We do have an eye of faith. And the eye of faith tells us, and the Word of God tells us, angels are there. Spiritual beings are there. Now, The majority of Christians can remember an incident when their lives were miraculously preserved in a time of critical danger. Let me see the hands again. 
Your life was preserved in a time of critical danger. Last night, (laughs) not really funny, but we were up here praying. I got to tell you this. And when we were done praying, um, we had a financial board meeting. So me and Frank and Goldie and Ed Cheek stayed. And then we were done and everybody was yakking. I said, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Kathy's about home. I'm going to head home. I got to go get some milk at Brahms and all that good stuff. Me. So, so I blew out of here. I was in my Z, which stands for Zoom. My 350Z, Nissan. So I'm headed home, and man, I mean, the sirens were going off when I left. And I thought, well, you know, they're going off all the time anyway, so I guess, you know, the boy who cried wolf kind of thing. So I'm heading home. My phone, my cell phone, I had not charged it, so it was dead. So I'm just driving home. I'm seeing these flashes and hearing these sirens. I'm listening to the news report. And I got right about to 30, and I heard the news report that a tornado had dropped in western Fort Worth and was headed east, which meant toward me. So I just thought, well, I'm teaching on angels. I need some right now. So I just headed home. And come to find out that there was a tornado that dropped and was headed right behind me, according to Kathy, who definitely got me on the phone when I got home. Why didn't you have your cell phone charged up? I said, I just forgot. You could have been killed. You should have stayed. Frank and Goldie are still there. You should have still been there. And I was just driving along in my Z, not realizing that behind me was a tornado. I don't know if there was an angel I like to think angels cover our stupidity. Do you? (laughs) All right. I just thought I'd toss that out because probably last time I needed one was last night. Uh, While they might not have actually seen the angel, the scenario testified of a supernatural presence involved. And you knew something supernatural just saved me. Some Bible examples of angels acting as deliverers are Lot's rescue from Sodom. With the coming of dawn, the Bible says, the angels urged Lot, saying, hurry. Now, two angels had visited his home. They went into Lot's house. While the homosexual men of that town We're trying to break the door down and get to these two angels who apparently, in human form, were attractive men. I'm just telling you what I see there. You can read it yourself. And Lot was doing everything he could to keep these men outside the door. But they were banging on the door. Let us in that we might have them. It says the angels blinded them. These were angels. Every man around the house suddenly went blind, groping as if in the dark. And the angels said to Lot, hurry, hurry. Judgment is falling on these twin cities. And grab your two daughters who are here 
or you're going to be swept away when this city is punished. And we know that the two angels, it says, Lot tarried. He, he and his wife was involved in this. His wife had an inordinate attachment to the place. And his wife was torn. I don't want to leave. I've been here for years. This is my home. But the angels were saying, uh, guess what? It's about to be no more. Hurry, hurry up. And it says that they grabbed Lot by the hand and ushered him out of there, took him outside the city. His wife turned around, her heart making her turn around. She looked at the city as the fire fell and she became a pillar of salt paralyzed, looking backward. Paralyzed, looking back to the past. And that's exactly what it'll do to you if you live in the past. It'll paralyze your forward movement in God. You can't live in the past. You can't live in the past. It paralyzed her ability to move forward. No telling what God had for Lot and his family. He, was, he supernaturally delivered them. Now that was a type and a shadow of what it will be like when judgment begins to fall in the coming of Christ. Angels will come and say, hurry, and we'll be taken out of here. God delivers the righteous before the signified wrath of God falls. Angels deliver the righteous. I read just this morning, we have not been appointed to wrath, but to salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Can you say with me, I'm not appointed to wrath. See, this was wrath that was falling. This was the wrath of God. And those cities were consumed and turned into ashes in a moment. Well, and we know that um, scientists have discovered those cities in our day, really years ago. They were wiped out in a blink of an eye. God's people in the wilderness. God said to Moses, See, I'm sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. God was assuring the people who were going across the wilderness towards the promised land, He was assuring them, I'm sending an angel. One angel is all that it takes. And He's going to guide you. He's going to guard you. David confidently asserted, the angel of the Lord in camp. I like, let's read this one together. This one's so good. The angel of the Lord camps all around those who fear him and delivers them. The angel of the Lord is camped around you and you just don't know it. I think one of the real shocks we'll have when we get to heaven is when we realize how many times we were delivered, saved, guarded by, guided by an angel. Amen? Uh, I love this one. Consider Elisha's experience. You know the story. The king of Syria had dispatched his army to Dothan, learning that Elisha the prophet was there. He was mad at Elisha because every time he plotted a plan to overthrow Israel, Elisha was shown by the Spirit of God what he was up to, and Elisha would expose his schemes before he could hatch them. And this, this king was saying, who's the spy? 
that is with Elisha, who is among us who is spying on us and going and telling Elisha what we're going to do? And he didn't understand that there was no spy but the Holy Ghost. And the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. And so God was ratting out the king of Syria. And so when he heard that Elisha was in Dothan, he said, man, we got him. So they surrounded Dothan. And you remember the story, the little servant got up one morning and he cried out to Elisha. When he looked outside, he saw the surrounding countryside bristling with armies and weapons of war shining in the sun. They were surrounded and totally outnumbered to the natural eye. And Elisha assured him, don't be afraid. Let's read this together, can we? Our army is bigger than theirs. If you can read that, your eyes are in good shape. All right. Don't be afraid. There are more with us than there are with them. What was he talking about? He was talking about angels. Angels. Anytime you've got a demon spirit attacking you, you've got two angels at least that did not fall. We as children of God vastly outnumber. The army with us vastly outnumbers the army of the enemy. And so after Elisha prayed, the servant's eyes were opened. And what did he see? Horses and chariots of fire everywhere on the hills surrounding the city. And he said, wow, look at who and what is with us. I read a quote from a real well-known man of God today who said, I can't tell you how many times it has comforted me to know that angels have stood with me, stood next to me, guarded me, delivered me. And so here were these, these angels surrounding the city. And of course, once again, the army of Syria was struck blind. And Elisha led them like little children and captured them because of the power of angels. Folks, one thing I want you to get out of this series is even though sometimes you can't sense God, And even though sometimes you feel like you're all alone, and sometimes you feel like you're outnumbered, and sometimes you feel like you're so defeated you're never going to be able to come back, believe me, there's things in the spirit world you're not seeing that are there. If God be for us, who can be against us? And how is God for us? How does He manifest that? Hey, sometimes he sends the Holy Ghost to strengthen us on the inside. But there are other times he dispatches his holy angels. They deliver, they guard, they guide, they hold the enemy back. I believe they befuddle people. I believe they intervene in ways we'll never know till we're to the other side. But there's always more with you than there are with the enemy. Amen? Amen? Now, another thing I see here about angels, guardian angels, is angels minister strength and encouragement to God's servants in times of hardship and danger. I love this story. Paul was on his way to Rome in a ship crossing the sea, and a terrible storm blew up. A terrible storm began to rock this ship. And it says there were more than 200 men on board. And Paul went into prayer. He came out of the place of prayer. Addressing the terrified crew, he said, Last night, an angel 
of the God whose I am and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of everyone sailing with you. You know, I could stop right there. That'll preach. Because your prayers alone, just you being a praying person and an angel needing to get you somewhere, sometimes everybody in your boat gets saved with you just because you've got an angel with you. I mean, I can almost hear, uh, listen, you may be the only saved one in your family, but that brings the power of God into your home. That brings, that brings the supernatural into your household. And sometimes he'll save everybody in the boat with you because he's got to save you. Amen. So here's Paul. Man, that thing is rocking and rolling and, and this terrible storm. Suddenly there stood an angel of God. Paul, you've got to go before Caesar. He knew the will of God for Paul. He knew God's will for Paul. And he said, you've got to go before Caesar, and I'm here to tell you everything is going to be okay. You're going to make it. Now, man, they all jumped into the, they had to jump into the sea. They swam to shore. They landed on the Isle of Malta. He got snake bit. All kinds of things happened, but he shook the serpent into the fire because God was with him, and the angel was with him. Angels are camped around you if you fear the Lord. How many of you believe this is true? Do you fear the Lord? All right. Let's see what the Word says further. Angels watch over us, and they mark our steps. Angels superintend the events in our lives, and they protect God's interests. They protect God's purposes for you and for me. Always working to bring about His highest will for us. Always. Angels even serve as interested spectators in what you do. Can you believe that? Look what Paul said. Read it with me, would you? For we are made a spectacle to the world and to angels. You're a spectacle to angels. Angels watch your walk of faith. Peter said that this thing of salvation, us walking with Jesus Christ, it says, Peter said, the angels desire to look into this. They desire their watching. To them, it's, a, it's, a, it's an item of interest. This walk of faith in Christ, covered by the blood, filled with the Holy Ghost, as God's plan of redemption unfolds in the world and comes to a climax, they are watching it as spectators. I believe every time we battle in faith and lay hold of God in faith and get a victory, an angel goes, wow. We're made a spectacle to angels. They're watching. After Hagar, the mother of Ishmael, had been forced from the home of Abraham, she wandered in desperation in the wilderness. You can read about it. She thought her life was over. She even put Ishmael a stone's throw from her. She said, so I don't have to watch him die. 
But it says, suddenly, the angel of the Lord found her. Can you say with me? He'll find me wherever I am. In her deepest hour of desperation, the angel found her. I read a great, great quote this week. i say it. This guy said, I've been to the bottom and it was solid. Boy, I like that. There's just something about that. I just, I'm going to steal it from him. I've been to the bottom. I hit rock bottom and it was solid. There's things at the bottom you're going to see that you don't see anywhere else. You're going to realize who you are when you hit the bottom. You're going to realize who's your friend and who isn't when you hit the bottom. You're going to come up with what you really believe and don't believe when you hit the bottom. I've been to the bottom and it was solid. God was there. His hand caught me right at rock bottom and it was solid. When you're on the bottom, there's only one way to go. And that's up. I've been to the bottom and it was solid. Now, <laughs> the angel of the Lord found Hagar at rock bottom and found her by a fountain of water. And the angel encouraged her, I love this, to turn her attention from the pain of the past, the rejection of the past, to the promise of what she might expect if she placed her faith in God. And that's what God has to say to you and me. When he finds you at rock bottom, he says, now you take my hand and you forget about what got you here. That is, don't dwell on it, don't live there, don't build a house here. We're going through the valley of the shadow of death. So that when I start bringing you out, and the way you're going to come out is you're going to look at my promises, not your past. You're going to look at your hope and not your failures. You're going to look at who you're walking with and not who messed you around back there. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to get you out of here. And that's what the angel said to Hagar. It's good stuff. Another thing I see about guardian angels, they are uniquely focused on children and young believers. Look what Jesus said. Can you read this with me? See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you, there are angels in heaven. Always behold the face of my Father in heaven. Now, uh, that's not just talking about little kiddos. That's talking about young believers too. The, the Greek word that he used here that Jesus, uh, or that is translated from into this word, uh, little ones, it means just a, it can be a young believer or a young child. It doesn't matter. It's interchangeable. God is particularly focused on the young and the vulnerable and the impressionable. Children and young believers. All right? Now, I, want, I, I got to show you this out of the Message Bible. Let's read this, can we? Watch that you don't treat a single one of these childlike believers arrogantly. You realize, don't you, that their personal angels are constantly in touch with my Father in heaven. Ooh, whoa. Personal angels. And the way you treat one of those little ones, they got angels that talk to God about it. That's why I put it up there so you can see it. This is not Wickwireisms. This is the Word. 
He, angels are watching over the little ones. We have we had people saved Sunday. We have people saved all the time. I want you to hear the word here. Immediately, there is an angel watching over that person. And those little kiddos down there in children's church and and uh, fours and fives and the babies. There's there's an angel watching over them, and the way they're treated is reported to the father by an angel. Makes you walk in the fear of the Lord a little bit more, doesn't it? Angels are commissioned by God in answer to prayer. And I want to really emphasize this. I find here in the book of Acts that Peter was delivered from prison by an angel because the church was in intense prayer. Okay? Look at this. We find Peter in Acts 12, 5 through 11, bound in prison awaiting execution. James... The brother of John had already been killed, thrust through with a sword, martyred, and it looked as if Peter was next. But God had other plans. It was not Peter's time to go. And the church was praying intensely for his deliverance. I don't believe you can go until it's your time. If you're a child of God, I just don't think you can. But the church was in harmony with the will of God here. The church was in harmony. They knew the mind of Christ. The Holy Ghost had moved on the church. Pray for my servant. He's in prison. They're going to take his head off tomorrow if you don't pray. And they are gathered in a house and they are bombarding heaven that Peter would be delivered. Now, it says that as Peter was sleeping in the prison, bound hand and foot with chains, an angel suddenly appeared. Utterly undeterred by bars and doors, a light filled the prison cell, and Peter's chains just dropped off like they were made of paper. Doors supernaturally opened as he stood up and began to follow the angel of God out. They walked right past the guards who were apparently disabled or spiritually put to sleep. Now, this is powerful stuff, y'all. It was not God's will for Peter to go yet. One day, God would not send an angel, and Peter would be martyred. But it wasn't to be then. There was work to do, letters to write, people to reach, a church to establish. So the church began to pray, oh God, don't let it happen. And an angel was sent in answer to prayer. And what an angel he was. Light fills the room, just like we always read about them. He hits Peter on the side. Get up! As he stands up, whoosh, clank, 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 clank. The chains just fall off. Follow me quickly. Peter thinks he's dreaming. He just starts following the door opens. Guard standing there. They walk by. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts that Peter finally realized this was not a vision or a dream, but it was real. He makes a fast track for the house where they're praying. They don't even believe it's happened. They said, it's his angel out there. It's not him. 
they had better faith for an angel to show up and knock on a door than Peter. The answer of their prayer was standing there and they did not believe it, which greatly encourages me. We don't have to have perfect faith to get an answer. And so here was this great deliverance and it happened by the hand of an angel. You never know what's going to happen when you pray. Look at this one. Daniel the prophet was thrown into a dungeon filled with hungry lions for refusing to cease praying to Jehovah God. Thrown into a lion's den by a pagan king who did not believe in his God. His testimony the next morning after a long night of danger mixed with prayer was, read it with me, my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths so that they have not hurt me. I guarantee you, if you're in a den of lions, hungry, looking at you, eyes glowing in the dark, you get right with God and you pray. And Daniel had discernment. He said, an angel of God. Because you read history, when they would throw people in these lion's dens, these lions were kept starving for a reason. They were executioners. And people were torn to shreds and eaten alive all the time. Daniel knew this. He was thrown into a den of hungry, ravenous lions. He said, God, it's not my time. I'm asking you to preserve me. And an angel came and shut their mouth. That's a guardian angel. And what is the devil called? The roaring lion. And you think God can't send an angel and shut his mouth? Yes, he can. He can shut his mouth. He can shut his mouth. He can cancel his assignments. He can pull his teeth out. He can put a chain on him and not let him advance. He can cancel satanic assignments. Angels. Now we're going to get down to the real stuff here tonight. Angels strengthen believers for tough times ahead. Elijah the prophet, suffering from depression and exhaustion, you remember that when Jezebel said, I'm going to kill him. Running into the desert was visited by an angel. We're told in Kings, as he slept under a tree, suddenly an angel touched him. He was exhausted. He was depressed. He was really depressed. He was down. He was not loaded with faith, folks. He ran from a single woman after bringing an entire nation to its knees in repentance before Jehovah. But he was so depressed, so taxed, so tired, weary from ministering, one woman chased him into the wilderness. He is not feeling like a mighty conqueror when this angel shows up. The angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And there was the first angel food cake. Right there. Hand delivered. This happened two times. The angel two times appeared to him and said, You better arise and eat. And after this angelic visitation, Elijah traveled on foot 40 days and nights to Horeb, the mount of God. 40 days and nights. He had been supernaturally strengthened by the ministry of an angel. What happened when Jesus 
finish his temptations in the wilderness. It says angels came and ministered to him. See, we got to understand that not only does the Holy Spirit within us strengthen us, and not only does the Word of God build our faith, but an angel can be sent to you and strengthen you when you don't feel you can take another step. That's exactly where the man was. I'm done. And the angel said, rise and eat two times. And for 40 days and nights, no food, no water, he went in the strength of that touch. And let's don't forget, Jesus had been fasting 40 days and nights when the angels ministered to him. So you never know what God's going to send to strengthen you. But he will send something. Now, angels, please understand with me, catch this one. They are subject to God and His will. Now, I'm going to talk real with you for a minute here. As somebody that's been pastoring 25 years, and I've dealt with a lot of situations, I've been to a lot of um, sick beds, a lot of hospital visits, a lot of funerals, a lot of tough, tough situations. And I think I can safely tell you that the question, the theological question that that culture out there has about God is this one. If he's there, why is there all this suffering? I think that's the single greatest impediment to people embracing faith. If he's there, why all this suffering? All right, I'm going to just talk straight with you tonight, and I'm going to try to answer that. There are times when supernatural deliverance doesn't come. See, if I was God, I'd send everybody an angel. Matter of fact, if I was God, I'd wrap this whole thing up tonight. I don't like seeing people suffer. I hate bloodshed and war. I hate the disease and the pain that's in this world. If I were God... I'd wrap the whole thing up tonight. I would tell y'all, go home, get ready. In one hour, you're going up. <laughs> call your in-laws, call your loved ones. Tell them to repent quick. I'm ending it. But I'm not God. Now, we've got to come to terms with this, that there are times that God does not send an angel. Let me just show you something here. Strong Christians are sometimes martyred. Where was the angel? They die in car crashes. They're murdered, as were many Christians in the World Trade Center, the Columbine School Massacre, or as we recently saw at Virginia Tech. Four of those young people at Virginia Tech were members of Campus Crusade for Christ. One of them on her webpage called Jesus Christ the love of her life. When they got up that morning, do you think that they were even remotely considering the possibility they would never return? No. The question is not how you die, it's who you die with. That's the question. I'm going to answer that cell phone. It's who you die with. And i got to tell you, folks, it's, it's a mystery as to why God doesn't always deliver. He doesn't always heal. 
But if I let that affect me so that I didn't pray for the sick anymore, that's the same thinking as if I were to go and speak to a stadium full of lost people and only a small percentage got saved, which is always what happens, then I'm not ever going to preach again because only a small percentage got saved. Not everybody got saved. You never witness to a bunch of lost people where all of them get saved. And you never pray for the sick where all of them are healed. And in every situation, there is not always a deliverance. That doesn't mean God's not there. The book of Hebrews talks about two different categories of believers. Those who experience a supernatural deliverance from danger and those who died in faith. They died in faith. Not having received a miracle. The Bible describes those who were delivered supernaturally in Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, the chapter of faith. It says about these people who got delivered who had angelic intervention that they subdued kingdoms, they obtained promises, they stopped the mouths of lions, they quenched the violence of fire. There it's talking about Daniel, and there's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery oven, quenched the violence of fire. The fourth man showed up and escaped the edge of the sword. When they were weak, they became strong, and they defeated entire armies by faith. That's the first half of Hebrews 11. And we love to close it right there. Hallelujah. Amen. That's me. But you better read the second half of Hebrews 11 if you want to live in real life. Watch this. The other half described in Hebrews 11 saw no such thing, though they prayed for it. Scripture records these saints were tortured. They did not accept deliverance. They would not recant their testimony. Though they possessed equal courage and faith, they still endured cruel mockings, scourgings. They suffered bonds, imprisonment. They were stoned to death like Stephen, sawn in half, slain with the sword. Is that in the Bible? Is that in your Bible or is that just in my Bible? Well, pastor, that's there, but I don't name that one and claim that one. I'm going to tell you something. I believe it takes more faith often to walk through something where there is not an immediate deliverance, to walk through maybe even years of trouble, years of difficulty, not understanding why God seems to be allowing a certain thing. But your faith does not fail. You keep going to church. You keep reading your Bible. You keep in love with Him. You do not get bitter at God. You do not walk away. Though you have failed expectations, you do not give up. You do not put up the white flag. You do not call it a day. You do not roll it all in and say, that's it. I'm going to go hug a tree. I'm going to go be an atheist. I'm going to walk away from God. You are here praising God tonight, some of you, and you have gone through years of trouble that has not really abated yet. And yet I think it's a greater testimony of faith that there you are, refined like gold, shining like silver. Your faith is intact and you still witness to everything that moves. That is a testimony of faith.
I want you to understand, church, I'm not going to tell you because I can't. I wish I could. That it's always going to work out the way you hope. Sometimes you're going to realize over time that God had another plan. Sometimes you just got to hang on and walk by faith and not by sight. They wandered around in goatskins, not Armani, not Calvin Klein, destitute, afflicted, tormented. No doubt these precious saints called on God over and over for help, but no delivering angel came. Why? I think here's the answer. The answer is found in the words of Jesus, which he uttered in the Garden of Gethsemane. Facing the prospect of Calvary and the cross, he prayed, quote, If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. If there's any way around this, through this, over this, under this, God, let me find that way out. I don't want to go to the cross and experience a, a, a temporary separation from your presence. I can't bear the thought of not being in contact with you even for a short period of time. It's making me sweat as it were. Blood! But then he prayed the prayer of ultimate surrender. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And we know that the will of God was not for him to circumvent the cross. It was for him to go to the cross because that's why he was born. He was born to die for you and me. So he went. He went. And he died on the cross. Church, believe me when I tell you, God's will is often mysterious. His ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And if I could be honest with you tonight, as somebody that's walked with God for a pretty long time now, sometimes the hardest thing in the world is to find the will of God. Sometimes you just got to stay with it and persevere and sift through things and sift through your own emotions and sift through your own desires and, and go through a period of time where it's really a struggle to find the will of God. And sometimes you'll find out that His will is not what you had in mind at all, but it ends up being better than anything you'd have ever done with yourself if left to yourself. Even the great apostle Paul said, on our best day, we're only squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. In the sufferings and deaths of these great saints who were not physically delivered, God had a mysterious plan and was performing his will. Knowing this, they suffered and they died in faith. That's what it says. They died in faith. You know, Kathy and I were not too long ago at the bedside of a dear saint in our church who was dying of cancer. And yeah, I believe God heals cancer. You come to me with cancer, I'll anoint you with enough oil to slide you into the next room. I'll believe God to heal you. And I've seen God heal cancer. But can we be honest and say he doesn't always do it? Even though the whole world can pray for somebody, it seems like it doesn't happen sometimes. Well, this person was dying. But I want to tell you, I've never heard a prayer like the prayer of this woman. When Kathy and I were there at 2.30 in the morning, she had one day left, 24 hours. But she, we, we grabbed her hands around the bed, and she started praying. She prayed for you. 
She prayed for turning point. She said, Lord, I may not be there to see that new building, but I'm going to be there in spirit. She said, Lord, I'm asking you. And she, she prayed 10 minutes. The Holy Ghost filled that room. I mean, I, guarantee, I felt like I could have just reached out and touched an angel. In 24 hours, she was gone. She died in faith. And now she's dancing with Jesus. Now she's enjoying the presence of the Lord. And so that's a great victory, y'all. Amen? Let's close with this. Having died, they did experience the ministry of angels who then escorted their eternal souls into the presence of God. I believe this is what the church's first martyr, Stephen, experienced when he cried out before the mob that was stoning him to death. He said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And it says he gave up his spirit and died. Stephen would soon be escorted into glory and was allowed a glimpse into heaven, the land where he was going. Can we say together, thank God for the mighty ministry of angels. Let's stand and say it again, can we? Thank God for the mighty ministry of angels. So, well, Pastor, do I pray for angels? Absolutely, you pray for angels. You pray for intervention. You pray for God's help. You pray for His strength. Fear the Lord, walk in His Word, and He'll put His angels around you. And you leave your time with Him. But I'm going to tell you, church, I believe that you and me and many who are to come are in for some times and we're going to see some angelic intervention. And our church is going to have some angelic visits. I really believe that. That's how perilous the times are that we're living in. So how many of you are thankful for guardian angels? And always remember, as I close now, don't presume on them. When the devil quoted that verse to Jesus, go ahead and jump. You know they'll be there to catch you. He said, no, you don't presume on an angel. You walk in the will of God and he sends them. But you don't go do something stupid going to angels with me. God may let you die. So in the will of God, he sends them. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for the ministry of the mighty angels of God. Thank you, Lord, for great deliverances. And thank you, Lord, for those who die in faith and those who live through difficulties in faith without a sudden supernatural deliverance, but every day is a deliverance for them. We thank you, Lord, for the power available to your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Steve, can you lead us in that song, Jesus? uh, Jesus, Jesus, there's something about that name. I could hit a chord, but I, I know that I'll go to.